This Bonfireside Chat Appendix is supported by the listeners, just like every episode of every show on duckfeed.tv. To find out how you can support this uh, show and others, go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. A couple of bucks a month goes a long way and gets you some cool stuff. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a hunter's favorite. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to Central Yarnum, the first part. Um, we are no longer joined by Vati. He uh, had to leave. We uh, decided to record this after that session and without him just because he was kind enough to stay awake very late for us. Um, but yeah. uh, we really appreciated him coming on the show. He's a very busy guy and the time difference makes it difficult mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, to demand like two and a half hours of his time versus 90 minutes mm-hmm. of it. Um, so, but we really appreciate having him on and hopefully you guys also like, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was, it was great. Yeah. And uh, I was very happy to have him on because I'm uh, a great admirer of his work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, you know, there was some, let's say, lack of clarity around uh, the release schedule. We've had a lot of new people uh, show up and, you know, introduce themselves and say, hey, guys, um, I've just now heard about your show and listened to you because of Bloodborne. Uh, first off, welcome. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for letting us know that you're here. Uh, the numbers show that there's a lot of you. Uh, and so I want to kind of like reiterate uh, and answer the question, why are you not seeing a regular episode right now? Yes. Yeah. So what we do, um, because we do a lot of shows on the network, um, a weekly schedule was never going to be tenable mm-hmm. uh, for this show or for our other flagship show. So we came up with things to do in the off weeks. Um, and so real kind of mainline episodes happen every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, in the off weeks, we do these appendix episodes, which are there to, uh, one, to let us kind of participate with you guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we are interested in what you guys have to say about the areas that we uh, that we talk about. And then also to kind of run corrections and uh you know just kind of off topic things yeah you know deleted scenes and stuff like that so consider them to be a bonus they're the they're the chalice dungeons <laughs> of this podcast they're not the main meat of it yeah. um and uh and there i think we you know we do have people who listen who aren't really interested in these mm-hmm. um who just listen every other week and that's fine too yeah. um but the uh it is untenable for us to do an episode every week yeah so, we so, so when you see an appendix, that means that it's one of these. It is the Chalice episode. Um, and uh, regardless, something will always go out on the feed uh, Sunday afternoons, usually the afternoon uh, Eastern time. So yes. use that as a guide. If something hasn't shown up uh, by by the evening on Sunday, something has gone wrong. But the mainline episodes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, 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 the mainline episodes about new areas uh, with new guests and such happen every other week. Yes. And the, uh, if you if you want to participate in these as we read other people's responses, and there's a couple of different ways to do that. If you head on over to uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash contact, it's probably the preferred method. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll we'll uh, read your responses on on air, and then uh, if you join us at facebook.com forward slash bonfireside chat, mm-hmm. we'll talk to you there. 
as well. And uh, people who have uh, uh, responded this week uh, have been much better about it, but just uh, general guidelines. Keep it punchy. Keep it snappy. Um, uh, Understand that we may not be able to use your response, but it is held on to in case Mm -hmm. there's a light week for it. Uh, Sometimes we will edit them and also uh, try and stay away from, man, this is a cool game and a cool area. We're uh, generally we're looking for uh, uh, kind of, you know, different, unique, fresh insights. Yeah. And we like mostly because we covered that. Yes. Like we, we talked about that kind of stuff. And Facebook is a great place for that. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to kind of gush, like there's a, a a large community of people who share links, you know, cool screenshots and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like that is a, a cool place to do that. A cool place for dudes and yeah, ladies. Is, and ladies. Yeah. It's a cool place for, for any, any number of genders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll get started here with just a little bit of follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon by contact says the closed door in the cathedral ward secret is not that big of a secret. You apparently need high insight to open the door and not much else. Yeah. Um, which one are we talking about? Is that the, the one? That the one goes... behind the cleric beast. I didn't think that opens. Hmm. I'm pretty sure it doesn't because I put in a thing in the show notes where illusory wall like tested where it went. Did he? I did, wonder. Did he test it with a uh, with insight? He tested it because I thought it was kind of a uh, well known like former shortcut. Okay. I wonder if. Sharon is referring because she says in the cathedral ward, mm-hmm. which makes me think that maybe she's talking about the door that just opens seemingly after the um, Bloodstar Beast. Okay. I wonder if she's talking about the one after the Cleric Beast or not, because I thought oh. that that was a shortcut that was not not implemented and was tested. Okay. Huh. So I thought, that's my, I yeah. mean, I could be wrong about that. I don't think, I didn't think it was insight though. I thought that mm-hmm. was based on, just based on the fact that it has been tested by um, illusory put, um, like a bunch of uh, coins mm-hmm. that kind of clip through the wall. Yeah. And then does a video uh, where he runs over to the other side of the door. And it's it's down at the end of a, a hallway where you mm-hmm. get a treasure that's in the uh, the cathedral ward that leads to. Yeah. We uh yeah, we 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 spoke about that on the uh, on the main episode. I I did some Google searching around this to fact check it and I wasn't able mm-hmm. to find anything so I didn't know if we were getting a scoop or not. I yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't mean to to discount uh, Sharon. I could be wrong about it. Mm-hmm. Um I do put a lot of uh, trust in illusory. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because he is uh he's very diligent mm-hmm. but uh it, you could be right it's yeah. just that's not my current understanding mm-hmm. i've been wrong before yeah. so yeah yeah well so so we will leave this to further testing i wasn't able mm-hmm. to uh to get to that uh before the uh before we recorded mm-hmm. yeah that will be a question mark yeah um let's see here <clears throat> uh morty peshkes um, I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. Uh, via comment writes in to say, uh, I think the crows were once regular crows who feasted on the dead of Yardum. Now, considering those bodies, well, most of them were infected, and it's not too far-fetched to assume that their blood and meat also changed the crows to the state that they are in now. If you notice, the crows are very bloated and move in a sluggish manner, uh, much like when you would overeat. Uh, if you use the monocular, you can see pieces of meat hanging from their beaks. This is in reference to uh, our, some of our questioning of the provenance of the of the crows that you begin to uh to encounter in central yarnum hmm. yeah, yeah I, I don't remember saying anything that directly contradicted this mm-hmm. um I, I thought they moved like hurt birds yeah but i don't necessarily i didn't think they were actually injured yeah i just they reminded me of the way i've seen birds move when mm-hmm. they're injured yeah um i remember i i mentioned the like oh they're feasting on flesh so they move weird yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that, that is uh that's good uh mm-hmm so yeah thank yep. you more um, um what i will say so that one comes in via comment oh. we have the blog uh up there for you know like on the website for people to see those you can put a comment in i moderate those like if they come mm-hmm. through just you know to stop drive-bys so if, if, if it takes a little bit for those to pop on it's because i haven't seen it yet but that is another yeah. way to get stuff there 
Yeah, and some things I I don't always even check that. I don't get notifications of those. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, I'll be flipping through them just uh, kind of randomly and find something like addressed to me, like when Gary said this, this. Oh, and I was like, oh shit. Um, so if if it's not because we're ignoring you, if that happens, it's yeah. just because of uh, again because it is something that we don't check automatically because mm-hmm. um, we don't get a lot of comments through that right. that forum. Um, so about the coffin, uh, Noah <laughs> says via Facebook. I disagree with Gary when he says there's no stated lore reason for the coffins in Central Yarnum to have chains around them. Whenever you die, you are sent back to the hunter's dream and then awaken anew. I think you are tied to the dream because of your hunter's mark and able to come back from death time and again. I think the early villagers or some other organized force responded to hunters coming back to life by trying to trap their bodies inside these coffins, not really understanding the implications of the hunter's curse. So all they are left with is empty coffins. Or are they? Schrodinger's coffins? Um, The ones you can break are empty always anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the first part of that, I think, I mean, that is what's happening with hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this. I actually responded to you on Facebook, Noah, by did it right before we started recording of the session. Um, it rubs me the wrong way. The idea that these are all just full of hunters. Yeah. That's a lot of hunters. <laughs> and like, there are, you know, there are a lot of hunters. You, the people you run into are hunters, yep. you know, like the, 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 the hollows essentially. Um, but that, that just doesn't, that doesn't feel right to me, especially mm-hmm. given that like, they would figure it out at some point because yeah. the way you're coming back is you're kind of, you're some kind of spirit or dream spirit. Like we're messing around with what's real and what's not in ways that like we can't really talk about yet Yeah. in the episodes. Um, so yes, that would make sense once like, Oh, we put somebody in a coffin, but the coffin's not there anymore. And they just came back. Mm-hmm. But the first time somebody came back, they would, wouldn't just try to put them in a coffin again yeah. and chain the door and then just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't like, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, it's worth thinking about, but yeah. I, I don't know if I necessarily buy it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, that, 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 that is a cool thing to happen once and have a story in your head about. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. But like, it's a cool, it's a cool idea for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but, to, but to account for the coffins that we see at the scale, um, we had a couple of people who wrote in with a, with a, with a version of this idea. I'm just picking Gerald because he got in first through the contact form. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just, just a thought the chained coffins look nicer than the unchained ones, the unchained melodies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, my thought would be that those are the wealthier Yardamites, uh, who don't want the bodies of their loved ones to be por- uh, torn apart or savaged by beasts. Um, yeah. And also the the other thing there is uh, uh, grave robbers and stuff like as a way yeah. to keep people out. Yeah, which I like better. Yeah, like that that makes like that, that accounts for the scale a lot better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that that is a more reasonable explanation. I still like that even if it wasn't intentional. Like mm-hmm. you know, everyone came up with their own read. I do like the idea from kind of fucking with you mm-hmm. in it, which was was my supposition. But this makes sense in world. Um, I like that explanation. Um, and then the, what's interesting though, cause when you, the, to the earlier comment, we said that they always end up being empty, just the poor coffins are ever destroyable mm-hmm. and empty. Yeah. Um, the rich ones are, are not. So mm-hmm. the, uh, maybe they have actually literally had the corpse pulled out of it. And <laughs> yeah. in those, those houses where people are having a party, they just have like a corpse on a table with straws, <laughs> like a series of silly straws stringing out of their guts, <laughs> just drinking them up. <laughs> you're, so. descri- you're describing a scene from a Queens of the Stone Age song. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, huh. yeah. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, also, just and for people who are new to this, um, when you do have responses or corrections or anything like that, don't uh, don't have don't be hurt if uh, if we don't necessarily buy it or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. one of the big things with Bloodborne um, is for me or with any of these Souls games is that like it's an evolving sense of truth. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know if you guys feel the same way, um, but know that I go into responding to these things at least with 
uh, a plasticine mind yeah. that my understandings will change as we cover the show for mm-hmm. the season. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to have my mind changed. Like, yes. Yeah. And, and like we're, we're all kind of walking around with this tenuous half mix of headcanon and stuff we kind of think we remember reading sometimes, yes. you yeah. know, like that is, you know, only partially like <laughs> um, laid down or solidified by actually reading the text or experiencing yes. it. Right. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler says via contact. The coffin business is booming in Central Yarnum. It's just too bad there's nothing but stone for miles around. With how quickly the recent plague cut through, it's no no wonder morticians can barely keep up with the demand. It seems that this this one was bad enough and went on long enough that the word got around. The hunters began their journey to Blood Mecca after catching wind that beasts were about. By the time you arrive, the hunt is in full swing. Hell, the locals seem to have joined you. Blood being the hot shit in Yarnum... (laughs) The, the the locals began requesting some added assurance from the morticians that their uh, beloved were kept intact and not uh, desiccated by the next wandering top hat looking for his next <laughs> fix. The locks aren't for keeping the dead in so much as for keeping the living out. Juicy, itchy, tasty. Uh, not quite a clearance sale at the Astrolabe store, but as a representative of Big Coffin, I can assure you that our wares are the finest materials a man can buy. <laughs> as long as you can pay up. Only the freshest payments, please. <laughs> uh big coffin hunters yeah yep. yeah astrolabe store which is uh for new people that is referring to us making fun of the duke's archives yes and being constant like we talked about this in the episode but like bloodborne does its cut and paste level design like a thousand times better yep than previous souls games do like that's always been a thing it's mm-hmm. something that like souls games have great environments and there is a lot of detail there but among that there's tons of chaff yeah and and here the chaff just looks better yeah there's yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of noise yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Also, blood and hot shit is my favorite Primus B side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was some cool fiction, Tyler. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Greer writes in via Facebook saying, I knew from the moment I opened the first gate that led back to the lamp that I was in for a treat. Then later, finding the second shortcut leading back to the same lamp, I was in heaven. This is what I had been missing from Dark Souls 2, a game which uh, I've liked but has its flaws, as has been discussed quite a bit. The shortcuts, the twisty paths, the feeling of holy crap when you figure out where you are, Central Yarnum is the place where I fell in love with Bloodborne, and it's a feeling that stayed with me the entire game. Finding the Cleric Beast uh, uh, was a whole new experience, and as shallow as it sounds, it made me realize I was playing an actual by-god next-generation console game. The animation on this dude, I'm telling you, taking him down felt just as good as taking down the Taurus demon in Dark Souls 1. Yeah, uh, thank you, Jeremy. Um, yeah. yeah, just a, a couple things that makes me think. Like when uh, I come around on that first shortcut, mm-hmm. because for the longest time I felt like people, a lot of people talk about that first short, shortcut that goes back to the first lamp. And, and I said it in the episode, but I was just like, that is, a, it's a bad shortcut. You'll mm-hmm. like never use it. Yeah. you like, it, it is a shitty shortcut. But the more I think about it, the way I've come around on it is that it is, uh, the again, like similar to how I think of the chains co- Chained Coffins, the developer talking to you. Yeah. Well, like, I, it's just, like, it's I, not I, meant to be useful. It's meant to tell you something I said about that how the, the game's going to be. Yeah. 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 It, it is, it is there to, to, uh, and that's what I mean. Like I came around on it oh, okay. because we talked about initially I was feeling shitty about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, it is, it is the developer letting you know, this is how it's going to be. Even mm-hmm. if this specific instant, uh, instance of it is kind of crap. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, like even if it's not useful, just letting you know that this is a thing and a possibility makes you instantly attuned and sensitized to looking for more <laughs> fruitful ones in the future. Yeah. Right? Like now that you know this is a part of the game's vocabulary and the way it's going to communicate to you with space and the way this stuff fits together, all of a sudden you're interpreting the world in a different way. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then about the um the cleric beast, like I do like how how that looks. I think that some of the stuff, some of the monsters do with like the just so many strips of flesh hanging from them. Yeah, the materials. Yeah. Some of the some of the materials get a little busier than I like. Mm-hmm. Like I I I do like it, but I wish that there weren't so many bosses that had that going on mm-hmm. because they like parl and uh amelia and bloodstar beast and yeah. cleric beast and amygdala and like all like all of these these things which i yeah. hopefully you don't just think of boss names as spoilers like <laughs> those things don't mean anything but there's so many of them that are just like a lot of excess material mm-hmm. that it kind of bums me i mean i guess not amygdala but like it kind of bums you out a little bit like yeah. i get what you're saying like i dig it and it looks really it moves really wonderfully mm-hmm. But like I couldn't draw one of these things. Like I couldn't. Yeah. Like I, I have a hard time picturing one. It it definitely complicates play, right? Because a lot of a lot of these fights and a lot of the gameplay is reading silhouette in order to understand which attack animation is coming up. Yeah. When you have this stuff that's kind of like appended onto the main body of the boss, it actually makes it hard to see those minute changes because you have a bunch of even smaller. Or you, it makes it harder to see the big changes in the way they're moving because you have these minute things that are happening all at once. Again, it adds a little bit of noise that is impressive, you know, on the face of it. But when you, when you actually have to be like right up next to it, it ends up kind of diminishing from the actual play. Yeah. It, it impacts the play for me. And it also impacts some of the aesthetic yeah. design. Like I think this game has wonderful aesthetics, but I've, I'm on the record of feeling a little bit lukewarm on a lot of the bosses and my favorite bosses and we'll get to them throughout the season, mm-hmm. I think are probably not going to match up with everybody's favorite bosses because yeah. they do tend to be a little bit more restrained, especially in this respect. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just my, that's an aesthetic thing. It's not objective by any means. Yeah. It's just kind of how I think about it. So it is, yeah. it is very impressive though. I, I agree that it's technically impressive. Yeah. Again, you're looking for any of those things that kind of justify the jump in technology or make make a good yeah. use of it. But it is possible to go too far in saying, oh, we have a DS now, so everything needs to use the touchscreen, right? Exactly. Like any new console generation is going to run into that. That is going to be such a nightmare when like Oculus stuff oh, happens. Like it is going to like once that gets out of indie hands, it is going to be a nightmare for years. <laughs> um, Robin Gilmore says via Facebook, Central Garnum was a revelation. The gothic detail was exquisite. Miyazaki apparently spent time in Eastern Europe, and boy, it shows. This is a hell-ridden nightmare version of Prague, Budapest, and Bratislava, Bratislava, all rolled into one. This signpost that we are in for an intoxicatingly nightmarish mix of Victorian horror, born of half-whispered, despicable Balkan folktales intermixed with Eastern Orthodox Christianity, decadently spiritual and horrifically profane all at the same time. Perfect. Yeah. That's very well put. I know, right? Yeah, that's that's poetic. And 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 now all of a sudden, like all of those touchstones, I need to do research into them because I know that like a bunch of werewolf stuff is actually informed by Balkan folktales. So now all of a sudden, I need to uh, experience as much of that. So thank you for kind of giving us that Rosetta Stone, Robin. Yeah, thanks, Robin. Yeah. Uh, Sean Wagner writes in via Facebook saying Central Yardum is as close to seeing a slice of life for the average citizen as we get in Bloodborne and perhaps the entire series. Those who remain sane do what I would do if I lived in a monster town, turn my home into a bunker. 
it is a real credit to From that my favorite character, Gilbert, is essentially a window that talks to you. <laughs> <laughs> like a Pee Wee Herman character. Like, like, like Blue's Clues or something. Yeah. Um, he is an engaging character nonetheless and, su- and surprisingly forgiving. Um, as the central Yarnum lamp seemed to be the place where I would go to uh, when I was stepping away from the game for a moment, inevitably firing off a bullet toward Gilbert as I sat my controller down. <laughs> I think the Clary Beast is one of the toughest opening bosses in the series. The parallels to the Taurus Demon also do not go unnoticed. The arena is a raised corridor with a wonderful vista that is inter- that is interrupted by a hairy beast leaping out from behind a building to wreck your day. In my current playthrough, I am saving Cleric Beast for uh, a later time to enjoy the fight with a different backdrop, although I won't say more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We, we didn't talk about it a lot during the episode about uh, the fight. One of the things that's interesting about the Cleric Beast, and we talked about it a little bit, but I went back um, after we talked about it and played the very beginning of Dark Souls 1 mm-hmm. again uh, to fight the Taurus Demon again, and he is significantly harder. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a lot more HP, and you do a lot less damage. Yeah. You know, like, even with a shitty weapon in Dark Souls 1, you can kind of chunk the Taurus Demon fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, the Cleric Beast, and when I've replayed it for the show and then replayed it since then, because I'm trying to build up a good character for Chalice Dungeons, yeah. um, just, you, you just take, it's a long fight, mm-hmm. regardless of which. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, and- which makes sense, and it's optional, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know it's it stands to reason you're a little bit more resourced, or you possibly can. Your your total number of heals um, is you know twenty as opposed to the as opposed to the five um, that you're likely to have for the uh, for for the Taurus demon. But even still, like the 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 the, the fact that they've kind of changed the scale of it does mm-hmm. make it uh, harder to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and like the Taurus demon, you have like tricks. You have ways to cheese it, right? You can use the you can use the lightning resin, or you can drop down from the tower. Like, mm-hmm. like there are ways you can go about it. Whereas, whereas the cleric beast, you're pretty much just right there in the fray the whole time. Yeah, you can you can shoot him in the face, but he's resistant to that trick. Yeah, you know, and that's really really all you got. Um, Lobos is doing. I don't know how completed it is doing a gun only run huh. of Bloodborne, and it's it's really wild and better him than me because <laughs> you do so little damage for so long mm-hmm. um and it just it just goes to make me feel like i just don't know how viable a blood tinge <laughs> build is in this game um and you know watching him try to fight the cleric beast just forever like trying to get him to get stunlocked because when when a uh not stunlocked when a uh enemy gets parried or whatever, like a mm-hmm. boss enemy gets stunned for a second, um they'll take double damage from the next attack no matter what. Right. It doesn't have to be a repost. So he was relying on that uh, to do, to do his damage, oh, and uh, just watching him just spend forever <sighs> trying to get cleric beast to to grab its face. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a uh, it's kind of excruciating a little yeah. bit. Um, it's good, and and he'll pull it off because he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is uh, it again better him than me. Yeah. Um, yeah, Allison Baker uh, says via contact, and and we we love Allison. Allison did um, helped us out. She did the trailer for the most recent Watch Out for Fireballs, mm-hmm. and does a very good website, uh, LegoDarkSouls.tumblr.com, mm-hmm. and she is the best. And uh, she says, my love affair with Bloodborne started during the alpha test several months before its release. It included the areas of Central Yarnum, up to and including the Cleric Beast. The testing period only lasted three hours, which meant, as a sword and board Dark Souls player, I had precious little time to learn the faster shieldless mechanics of Bloodborne. Shamefully, I was never able to defeat the boss, but I sure had a great time trying. Unfortunately for me, though, this meant that upon release, there was little new to this area for me to discover. Despite that, it was fun for me to try and spot all the changes I could. The biggest of these was that the alpha took place during the dead of night instead of early evening, as in the final release. Another interesting touch was that in the alpha, Father Father Gascoigne was patrolling the main bridge area to help you take out the two scourge beasts. Hmm. 
There was a third major difference, but it would end up getting into spoiler territory to discuss it too much, so I will save it for a future episode. I'm not sure if the difficulty was tweaked or if I just got better at the game, but I was able to take revenge on the Cleric Beast with little trouble this time around. Maybe giving up that shield won't be so tough after all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's weird. Um, like I've I've heard, you know, Cleric Beast is one of those bosses that it's either it's either you 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 ace it on the first try, or it ends up being one of the hardest bosses in the game for you. Mm-hmm. Is 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 the response that I've seen? So I wouldn't be surprised if over the course of that time it uh it did kind of if nothing changed except your approach to it. Yeah, yeah, and I and I definitely had a, I relate to this because I had a very hard time mm-hmm. with this this boss as well. Like it's probably it's definitely in the top half mm-hmm. of difficult bosses for me. Um, even though I was I've been able to go back to it and and do well the mm-hmm. first time, um, just getting used to fighting a boss with the new mechanics that was was yeah. very tricky. I aced it the first time and I had trouble the second time. It's really weird. Yeah, it is. I've had that experience in general. Mm-hmm. Like bosses, I did find the first build when I went through on my arcane build. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense. I have a different build, but yeah. uh, they're just excruciating. Mm-hmm. Like just so, so, so hard. Yeah. Um, the uh, it, it, You bring up uh, Father Gascoigne, which I think we mentioned that you can summon him. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do that. I want to try that. So I did that and I want to talk about it next episode when we talk about him as a character. Okay. Because it, it's interesting. It ends up actually kind of playing into how he works, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's worth doing. So if you haven't uh, summoned Father Gascoigne, I think it's worth it for the experience. Yeah. For, for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison also wrote in um, on our Facebook page and she said she was going to send it in and didn't, but I'm going to include it um, just be just because because I want to. Uh, in the basement of the house that we go into, mm-hmm. in the episode where the, the old man in the wheelchair... She pointed out in the song we'd missed that the item he's guarding is a pungent blood yep. file, and it works on you. Uh-huh. Like, you go to get it, and he shoots you in the back, mm-hmm. which is what you do to other characters. That's really great. And that's brilliant. It's an awesome catch, which yeah. uh, we, we did not get. So, <laughs> super cool. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiri. Kiri. <laughs> uh, via contact writes in uh, I believe the two scourge beasts on the bridge are there to intimidate the player into finding one of the many alternate paths through the area the souls games have always been good at that creating enemies that seem intimidating even before you fight them the black knights with their backs turned is such a strong image but in this case I think it fails because you already fought an identically looking werewolf uh, who was a pushover it's easy to think that you're meant to fight those two when in fact I suspect that the intent is the opposite in my mind this is one of the few flaws in the opening in the opening area that that is a really good point mm-hmm. um because i thought they were mandatory because i was going towards that bridge mm-hmm. and the idea of the first boss you could run into being optional like just didn't enter into my head right like the the fact that there are so many optional bosses in this game like i didn't realize at the time um but there are you don't have to fight those guys now there's actually another shortcut past them entirely that we missed mm-hmm. Um, which goes down to the kennels, which is an yeah. area we're going to talk to about next. And someone called that out on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. And to my, to my, you know, I guess embarrassment, I didn't even know that was there. Yeah, it's there. I, I caught it um, on this on this current playthrough, making the notes. It's just it's so close to the other to where the other shortcut takes you. Like yeah. they're like they're like they're like ten yards from each other. It is it is another one of those uh, shortcuts that is is mildly disappointing. But my point is just like before you even see these guys, you can definitely mm-hmm. go a different way. Yeah. So maybe if I if I try to you know if I restart my my new character I'm gonna do for Chalice Dungeons again maybe I'll try to save bosses like just move through areas for a while oh, yeah? and gain some strength and see if how long I can put off fighting these guys hmm. might be kind of fun just to kind of stomp <laughs> you know just Kirkhammer this this for this guy to death huh well you can't get so, the Kirkhammer without uh, without killing him oh you're right yeah. <laughs> well maybe I maybe I won't then the Kirkhammer is pretty sweet 
Yeah. That's the weapon I've been using on this hmm. playthrough. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Kyrie. Uh, Jay says, via contact. It's clear that Central Yarnum is meant to be just as difficult a starting area as Under Undead Berg and the Forest of Fallen Giants. All three are saturated with enemies, often in packs, with the aim of teaching you the valuable lesson of crowd control as well as crowd avoidance. If you are a from veteran, then you will uh, more than likely spend more than likely do a little speed running to bypass through areas or enemies so you can explore more of the area and find the most valuable of all things in Bloodborne. Shortcuts. Shortcuts are what bonfires were in Dark Souls 1 and 2. The shot of adrenaline uh, you experience in the Souls games when uh, in the Souls games when finding a bonfire has now been replaced with unearthing shortcuts. When you come to the realization that the two wolves on the bridge can be bypassed entirely en route to the cleric beast, you get a very pleasurable feeling in your pants. Like when you put them on fresh out of the dryer? That's I think that's what he's re- yeah, referring that's to. What re- yeah, that must be what he's referring to. Yeah. A nice set of flannel jammies. Ooh. Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm about ready to get into my jammies. It's about bad yep. time. It's going to be so good. I love jammies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that is interesting. I mean, there have always been shortcuts. Mm-hmm. There are fewer of them in Dark Souls 2, but even uh, Dark Souls 2 in the Forest of Fallen Giants, that's one of the most shortcut-rich mm-hmm. areas in that game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of... I I was thinking about something when I was doing this replay call, mm-hmm. and this is only kind of related. Mm-hmm. I want them to patch in warping between bonfires in bloodborne oh me too like i hate that yeah i hate that you we, have to dip back to the dip yeah, back to the hunter's dream i know we talked about it but i don't think i i don't know if at the, the episode i said i hate it mm-hmm. because i do i yeah. hate it I, it's 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 wrapped in and it's 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 tangled up with the uh with the load times being what they are yeah right yeah i feel about i feel about that like i do about the uh about uh i feel similarly to how people express frustration with needing to return to the emerald herald to level up yeah. Right. I felt like that was a little bit like a a little bit of a trumped up concern. Yeah, it's a bummer, but like hot off the heels of Demon Souls, it was just like, oh, this is going to be like Demon Souls. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, this is this this definitely gets in the way. You have that, which is not ideal, coupled with also basic traversal. You know, your fast travel is not fast at all, which is really bad. Yeah, it's it's slow travel. And when I've been trying on this playthrough that I'm doing for the show where I'm trying to literally talk to everybody, mm-hmm. making these NPC like, oh, I want to see if this NPC says anything different now that I've done this, mm-hmm. have become real nightmares. Yeah. Because I can't zip around, you know, remotely quickly. Yeah. Yeah, check them out. So like, man, do I want them to patch that in? Like they they did that load time patch mm-hmm. and it adds the item descriptions to load times, which is great, and mm-hmm. mildly reduce the load times. But I really want to be able to warp between bonfires. Yeah. Really badly. Yep, it's definitely not ideal. Yep. Yeah. Um, look at this here. Luke wrote in via contact saying, Central Yarnum was my Vietnam. Well, okay, maybe not, but it sure felt like it. For a waste of skin with a threaded cane, those first few streets were a scary place that ran slick with my blood before I acclimatized to the new combat system. None of the other, none of the other Souls games have so swiftly thrown you into situations as chaotic and dangerous as these. Speaking of, perhaps the better offensively reductive combat comparison would be to say that Yarnum was my Nicaragua, the third in a series of hopeless slogs with little to no objective. I'm a fellow Dark Souls 2 defender, uh, but there was something about the design of this stage uh, that brought to mind the other Souls games in a way that that one didn't, that one being Dark Souls 2, until the DLC. Central Yardum is labyrinthine. Uh, there are an endless number of streets, alleyways, stairways, and nooks to explore, and you start to wonder, is this a level or the whole game? Right up until you crest the wave of challenge to find out, oh, it's really just this one pretty simple path that you can run through in seconds. In other words, it is perfect. 
having just now replayed the section, I already feel a little bit of nostalgia for the simple days of Central Yardum. Uh, and as much as I love uh, what is to come, I do feel like there is potential in this setting for so much more gameplay. It would have been uh, it, it would have been padding, uh, but I could have happily played a whole lot more, uh, maybe even a whole game in this milieu, uh, and feel like maybe from Mr. Beat by skipping so many beats uh, with the beasts and the church uh, with the beasts and the church in favor of the creepy stuff to come. The night is long, but I wish the dusk of Central Yarnum were a little longer. Uh, well said. Like I don't think I, I agree with that last point, but yeah. uh, you know that it's well reasoned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I had a very I had a very opposite experience. Like we talked yeah. about that a little bit, where it, mm-hmm. it felt like the lack of variety in environments was a little bit. Yeah. You know, stifling. Yeah, I was, and I was ecstatic when it opened up. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was definitely uh, starving for some kind of novelty around it. Even yeah. though they're, you know, like compare Central Yardum to Old Yardum, like they are very different and they have different conceits. There is novelty and variety there, like in what they're asking you to do. But um, you know, presentation and theme do kind of matter a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, and then when you get into the the Cathedral Ward and all the kind of uh, paths that go off from that, like. It, it there you do spend a lot of time in the city. Yeah. Like even if I was ready for it to be done, but even if I really liked it, I it would be hard for me to feel like I didn't get enough time here. Yeah. Um, specifically Central Mart Yarn, I'm sure, but it is pretty like there are areas of the cathedral ward that like you fight some different enemies, mm-hmm. but you know, feel very similar to me. Yeah. Or feel of a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven says by contact. This was such a strong first area, not only in gameplay, but in aesthetic as well. The cobblestone streets, the spires of Gothic architecture against the setting sun, and the lonely sounds of my footsteps, followed by the angered and horrified screams of the local Yarnamites, all came together in an incredibly striking initial experience. So much so that my girlfriend's two sons, aged seven and nine, uh, also couldn't take their eyes away from the screen, as they watched and a slew of questions were launched at me in their undying curiosity of what was being presented to them. It warmed my heart knowing that they were seeing something they didn't understand entirely, but wanted more of, in the same way I had when I had been their age and saw my brother playing the original Silent Hill or Final Fantasy VII. I figured you'd appreciate the fact that there are two Souls fans in the making right now. Hmm. Aw. Yeah. Like, What's the earliest age you could you could have handled a Dark Souls game, Cole? Uh, it's probably earlier than, 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 than you would think or would sound reasonable. Like maybe, hmm. like let's say 10 or 12. Huh. Like if it was the thing I was, you know, like if we're talking about the themes, I probably wouldn't have, pre- have appreciated the, 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 the nods to Lovecraft and such. Um, or, you know, like the violence I was playing, you know, Resident Evil games at that time. I wasn't, you know, that put off by anything that was like that scary at that mm-hmm. time, you know? So like those challenges aside, I think that, I think that little kid patients probably would have, would have come up. Yeah. You know, like that, that, that accounts for a lot. I think so. It would probably be like early teens at the latest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I could see that. I could also see not, I would have the patience, but maybe, uh, rejecting a thing, like not thinking it was good in spite of the fact that I was getting like my frustration, my ability to to deal with frustration. Like the thing about little kid patients is like, I never got frustrated. (laughs) You know, I just like was patient with the thing. Whereas here it's like, I could see wanting, you know, I don't know. To be to be attaboyed a little bit more. Yeah. Well, it, it, it also, I, you know, I, I hate to be like a kids these days or whatever, but like what I said assumed that you took this game and took it back to me in, you know, 1997 when I was 10 years old. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to the you know the, the the more reasonable version of this, which is if I was ten years old today, would I be into this or not? I would probably be playing games on my iPhone and posting to Tumblr, Grandpa. Yeah, like what would happen is some some BuzzFeed person would give you a Game Boy, and you, you'd be like, "Whoa!" and then like make a bunch of outsized reactions. Yeah, yeah, and become a become a clickbait boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a clickbait boy. <laughs> Doctors hate me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that it probably is younger. Although, yeah, that that, that patience thing does become an issue, doesn't it? Hmm. Go ahead. Oh, um, I, th- I think I thought this was you. Oh, oh yeah, that, I think I believe that's me. Then okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Emily writes in via contact saying, "While I was disappointed that Bloodborne offered less storytelling through item locations than previous Souls titles, I think that the environment, the environmental storytelling, is at its peak form in this game." Central Yarnum had some great examples. From city dweller dialogue to the discarded luggage of botched escapes to proliferance of worshipping or suffering statues to the cases upon cases of mass distributed blood battle uh, blood bottles uh, littering the streets, these signs tell a story that can be experienced rather than simply read. I got a sense of what state the city was in, uh, what its inhabitants feared and longed for, and I was let... Uh, and I was left with the disquieting impression that something twisted and ex- uh, twisted was exerting its influence uh, behind the scenes. I found this to be far more affecting than simply listening to backstory exposition, uh, and all this setup paid off in a major way uh, as I progressed through the game and learned more about the forces at work in Yarnum. Yeah, I think I think it does a good job at that as well. Like, mm-hmm. I, but when when I've bemoaned the lack of. Uh, item location storytelling it's those two things working in concert mm-hmm. over like i found this thing here here's what the thing is um like i don't i like the i like it best when they work together yeah you know is is my point and this one like this game eschews one of them almost entirely mm-hmm. um which i i felt was too far i do think it does that really well though mm-hmm. like i do feel like the the and and part of maybe me being slightly less impressed with it is because and this goes back into the point we were talking about a couple of uh, entries ago of how long you spend in this this area yeah so we're eventually like it's just like oh here's another just pile of statues like okay like i get it like the you know there's just piles of statues yeah every once in a while well, well here's the thing all this stuff you know the, the the arrangement of a couple of props in a given area tells a story about that area and probably the ones that are connected to it Mm-hmm. The, the the items, you know, being found there, you know, like, yes, show, don't tell. But that telling, uh, you know, that, that, that's attached there, that actually allows that story to be connected to a bunch of different places throughout the world. Whether that's an item that alludes to a kingdom that's, you know, like nearby and tells you about their values and, and for, informs any other items that you find from that kingdom in other places. Um, I, th- I think that I think that have, having those item descriptions and stuff, which I know I know we're not you know like we're on the same page about bemoaning them. I think that I think that 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 is part of the value that that brings is is those yeah. wide reaching connections you know of that like substrata of lore, right? You're absolutely yeah, you're absolutely right. Like having more of that means that you can allude to places that are further away, both geographically and chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game, it's not like the game doesn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. It just does less of it. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly that's that's a big big reason why. So this you if Emily's saying that this functions the best the Souls game have done as a snapshot mm-hmm. of an area, I think I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I just I want it all. 
baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not Should... calling you baby. <laughs> no. I want it all baby. <laughs> I, want, I was t- calling Cole baby. Yeah. No, you show and tell, right? Like, the, exactly. like the, the, they, they deploy them in, in the appropriate context. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And finally, a little section we like to call just funnin'. Are you uh, okay? Me, are you? <laughs> me and Cole are going to jump off a bridge holding hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> we only did that once, but now that's the subtext for any just funning. Yeah, exactly. There have been a couple episodes of Just Funnin' that have been pretty sad. Um, but this is this is actually Funnin'. We should call it like Just Funnin' like the tier zone or something like that. Um, so entering into the tier zone. Uh, Mark says, via contact. Has anyone else floated the idea that the world of Bloodborne isn't so much informed by Victorian England as it is by Georgian England? Uh, the late 1700s, think colonial America times, and almost a century before Queen Victoria. There are several supporting points for this, some pretty obvious, others more wishy-washy and open to interpretation. One, the tricorner hat, as seen as the primary hunter set, was a menswear staple in the late 18th century, but already fading out of fashion by the early 1800s. By the early Victorian era, wearing a tricorner hat would be sort of like wearing a fedora today. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> many of the clothes the NPCs wear are more reflective of the late 1700s, early 1800s style, especially the women. Ariana and Annalise, in particular, wear flowing, unstructured gowns with open necklines and hair hanging free, all of which would have been scandalous for prudish Victorian norms. <laughs> of course, these are two women who very clearly live outside the norms of Yarmanite society. Right. Yarnum seems to have cons- uh, conspicuous lack of industry, which would have been a hallmark of a Victorian-era big city. There's no smog, no smokestacks, and a lot of stuff seems to have been handcrafted. The fact that much of the gear emphasizes the work of specialized masters, i.e. the workshop, or e.g. the workshop, uh, producing one-of-a-kind mechanisms reflecting the small-scale, craftsman-driven nature of finished goods in the 1700s. Uh, Think of the apprenticeship system in Johnny Tremaine, or Johnny Deformed. Um, (laughs) Thank you. uh, The blunderbuss would have been extremely out of date by the 1830s, on since by that time the concept of a modern shotgun had already been developed same goes for a single shot flintlock pistol which were quickly being outmoded by revolver pistols this is fucking great mark yeah i i, I don't know when's floated by just because i don't know anything about history <laughs> yeah no but this so. uh the, 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 this all makes sense and i love it that it raises the conversation beyond this is just another victorian thing yeah yeah like, even though like i i agree i i also think it's, i'm gonna I'm, I, I think this is great too. I'm not mean to disparage mm-hmm. that. Like the interest that I have in exactly what period of time oh, yeah, yeah. Bloodborne is based on is limited. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it doesn't matter. And and my thesis for the game right now is that it doesn't actually matter to the game either. Yeah. Um, is that it's all part of this bait and switch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting, and you're probably right. Yeah. Like this this is well researched and sounds very plausible and good to me. Mm-hmm. It's just a really really good point about something that I isn't that important to me in the world of the game. Mm -hmm. It's only important to me because I am petty and small and I don't want this to be steampunk. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, and just, I I said it, but I don't, you know, just Victorian is a little bit overdone. And I, I I like the idea of this pulling these, you know, kind of subtle touch points. And it's a little bit sad that just we're kind of snapping to grit on this and that anything that evokes something of like, okay, it's England after the Renaissance, but before modern era, so it must be Victorian and therefore steampunk. Lowell put a cog on it. Um, there, there's all. I mean, that you're right. Like it is, we are snapping to grid. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there are a lot of things that don't fit in with this early time. Like were there Gatlin guns? You know, <laughs> in 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 like the 1700s. Like I feel yeah, like there yeah. are also functions that are probably are like 
The actual truth of the matter is, is an amalgamation of oh, yeah, that, that, that cool is, time period. That, that is whatever and, looked coolest. Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason we're snapping to grid is because that Victorian times are the time that are most frequently, you know, you like uh, name checked and, and influenced mm-hmm. and, and come out of that time. Yeah. So like it's, it's, it's neither, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's based on neither. It has probably more elements of the 1700s than we think, mm-hmm. which I think is what Mark is ha- saying. And that's, that's used, that's valuable. But also, like, at a certain point, you know, if it, if it looks like steampunk and sounds like steampunk, like, mm-hmm. it kind of is, yeah. you know, like, it, it's, it may as well be, like, I don't know. Like, the popular consensus of what Victorian times is is also important, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. We're going to make a mint publishing Pride, Prejudice, and Parl the Bloodstarved Beast. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Parl the. Yeah. Pride, Prejudice, Prejudice and Parl. Yep. Yeah. Parl and prejudice. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I'll never marry you with that attitude, Paul. <laughs> oh, behave. <laughs> also, Austin Powers shows up. I, I we're like playing it fast and loose. Parl and prejudice is pretty good. That's a good t shirt. That, that, that should go in the. I don't know if anyone else will like it. I don't know. <laughs> Let us um, know. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming out in force. If you have things to say about the second half of Central Yarnum, so this is everything else that we are dry dock, the sewer, um, everything leading up to Father Gascoigne, um, let us know at uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Mm-hmm. Or uh, th- uh, participate in the conversation at uh, facebook.com slash bonfireside chat. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. All options are available to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as things you need to help the show, if you want to support us financially, patreon.com forward slash TV. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated. Yeah. And uh, feedback is also always appreciated. You know, if we got anything wrong, any of these things, definitely let us know. That's what this is for. Yeah. And uh, enjoy some brief uh, deleted scenes. Umbasa. Umbasa. And we're still going to slip in umbasas because we can't not. We, <laughs> we say that and watch out for fireballs. I, you know, I'm I'm always saying it to to my girlfriend, bringing it up in class. Like it is hard not to say umbasa when she starts saying umbasa in class. No, I, I'm just kidding. Okay. I, I'm Jesus. not. That would be yeah. I, I would become everything I hate. Like the <laughs> um, yeah no uh, the the uh, just real quick and this will this can be appendix of material. Um, yeah, I'm taking that geography of uh, I'm taking a class for for people listening. That's geography and video games, and uh, it is it is a being in a class um, with with 20 or 25 gamers, which in some ways is cool, mm-hmm. um, and in other ways is kind of intolerable. And and if I were just as you know, pop in, drop it in bosses, which mm-hmm. that, that sounds like a rap, like just pop in, <laughs> drop it in bosses on the top of my esophagus, this <laughs> metropolis. The um. The, <laughs> That was a pretty good freestyle. That, I, it was only half mine. It was half a hip hop hippopotamus from oh, okay. from Play of the Concords. Um, the uh, but yeah, if I were to start uh, doing that, that would be that's the kind of thing that that gets obnoxious in that class. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The the, the 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 catchphrases. How many times have you been uh, told that the cake is a lie? Uh, once. Oh god, which like it. doesn't sound like a lot, but like someone <laughs> just straight up said it. Like so, <laughs> it actually is a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, did you, it's, it's did you so flip a table? Yeah. No, I, I, I go into like, it's a real fight club moment for me. Like when, when he's getting the acid poured on his hand, he tries to go into that cave with the penguin. <laughs> yeah. That's what I have to do in that class a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> and lest anybody think, hey, 
these hypocrites, they spend so much time talking about games. We do it in the comfort of our own homes. It's a, it's a venue thing. Like it is yeah. the teacher is trying to talk about an academic subject. Right. Um, and having someone in like slide in memes mm-hmm. uh, in order to ch- get their, their little corner to chortle is just kind of uh, uh, gross. <laughs> You know, it, it feels disrespectful. And that sounds, I mean, that, I guess I'm officially an old man now that I'm like, don't be disrespectful to the teacher. <laughs> but uh, I do feel like it's just like, come on, guys. Like, you know, like it's just engage uh, in, with the material in good faith. Um, so so, so you as you can see, a lot of game design is about uh, creating an expectation. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, finding ways to play with the way that that is either, you know, pay, you know paid out or not paid out, as it, as it were. So would you say that the cake is... A lie. Yeah, well, that that's that's very accurate, except for the fact that the cake is a lie is actually relevant. Yep. That, so it's more like you know, uh, geographers play a lot with the idea of space and place and the way that things are spaces, but are meaningful connections and and uh, and and our impact on things makes things into places. God, this class sounds amazing, Gary. Would you say that the cake is a lie? <laughs> nope. <laughs> not remotely uh that, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about um it's a it's a lot more like that oh. um and, and when it's not and there's also there's one specific dude who uh uh just just tell just says facts about games mm. like it's like he's an ai that came with <laughs> came with the room or something like that like he's just like you know we'll be talking about anything and he'll be like well actually in in assassin's creed you know redemption there's uh over you know 70 buildings that you can climb you know because the teacher talked about buildings um but the teacher's talking about buildings in in one manner like it's just it's so like as i get older my least favorite thing is like bad faith like someone willfully engaging somebody or material in a way that doesn't like approach it on its terms mm-hmm. is like my least favorite thing. Yeah. That gets so annoying to me. Like, and it, it, it's like, you could argue like, Oh, they, maybe they're, I shouldn't stifle their thought and they are trying to do that. But I just, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't trust them. You know, and, and you've, you know, you, you've to talk with me about this stuff before. And what, what tends to really rankle me is that so often it is, it is done to aggrandize oneself. Yes. In, in, in a way. And not like in a like the, the, the pretentious academic way, like I'm going to say this to sound smart in kind of a more insidious way, which is to um, to, to, to to ingratiate yourself to your tribe. It, it is definitely for the people around them. Mm-hmm. It's also in very defensive and defending uh, video games in mm-hmm. a way that is like sad, like the way like, oh, when, uh, you know, a, a bully grows up, mm-hmm. you know, they grow up so desperate to or not a bully like uh, someone who's picked on rather someone who was yeah. bullied mm-hmm. grows up and gets um, some kind of modicum of power or freedom um and they're just going to make whatever they were bullied about their soapbox right you know and that's what that's what this is it's mm-hmm. just like we're all on the same page we're in this fucking class like yeah. it's it's geography of video games like you mm-hmm. don't have to convince us that video games are worthwhile mm-hmm. like we all think that yeah and you know? I, I have nothing but sympathy for somebody who has been bullied and has those scars and everybody has to work that out but there are some strategies and approaches that are more healthy than others. It seems. Oh, well, like yeah, I was yeah. I was like a, a two hundred and ten pound, six foot tall, acne prone kid from like seventh grade to like yeah. well into tenth grade. Like I was hella bullied. Mm-hmm. Like I I was people would hit me in the hallway, like just punch me, um, you know, for for no for nothing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, just like that's a big dude. Let's punch him and see. Let's let's rattle his cage and see. Watch him Hulk out. Yeah. You know, and like regardless of the fact that, like, oh, you know what? I'm I'm a quiet nerd that enjoys video games and Dungeons and Dragons. Like, <laughs> I have no interest in fighting anyone. Right. Um, and people would just like straight up sock me. Jesus. Um, you know, and like, so it's like I understand that, but if you if you're processing it in a way, and again, like the worst thing you can do with that is not to talk about video games in class. Mm-hmm. It's just annoying. Right. You know, like th- there are there are you know, better, like there are worse things you could do. Like mm-hmm. you could become a boy yourself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, that's obviously true. But the uh, uh I feel like these people just have more processing to do. Yeah. You know, than that. Like you can you can you can do better than than to just be on a constant sense of the defensive for your mm-hmm. entire life. Like Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not trying to say like people, there are people who had it way worse than I did. I'm not trying to woe is me about that. Mm-hmm. I'm no, just saying no. like, I, 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 symp- I sympathize and relate mm-hmm. to the idea of being bullied. Yeah. However, once you get to college, like nobody, we, we talked about it on one episode where I was just like, nobody looks at like a seven, you know, a seventh grader on the street and is like, what a fucking nerd. <laughs> like everybody in the world doesn't care about you because you're, you know, you're in seventh grade and it's mm-hmm. just like, there's no such thing as a nerd. You're just like a kid. That's what you are. Like once you get out of school, like that stuff ceases to matter very much. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there aren't like fringe cases of bullying in college and stuff. Cause yeah, I mean, like hazing that and shit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does happen, but it's very, it's, it's, I doubt it's happening to these specific yeah. people. Now it feels as a distinct feeling of a holdover from, from grade school. Hi guys. How you doing? Doing just fine. How are you? I'm good. Cool. I like I like the nice uh, spectrum of uh, timbers of voice we have here. Because I've <laughs> yeah, I was my, worrying at the start. My... I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to tell you apart. But yeah, we definitely <laughs> yeah. do, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we 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 voice code it. My 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 boyish timber, and then like uh, you know, Cole Cole. We think Cole has a deep voice, and then you come along and and just deep <laughs> just him out of the water. Blow out yeah. the mic. Yeah. yeah. How is the audio, by the way? <laughs> it is perfectly fine. Beautiful. Yeah. Sorry to get you guys up at 6 a.m. That must be pretty difficult. You sound pretty cheery, though. I, it, yeah, it's just it's just myself that has to get up. Uh, Cole is actually a bit Easter easterly than I am. Yeah. Uh, I so, uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I, uh, I didn't have a class yesterday or work, so I was able to, uh, to go to sleep early and, and prepare. Mm-hmm. So, and my girlfriend was out of town, so it's just like me in the house alone. I'm like, oh yeah, going to sleep at nine. <laughs> you know? living, yeah. living wild. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, and I'm just doing this instead of working right now. So, <laughs> right. Well, I just finished uploading a video about ten minutes ago, so it all worked out pretty well. Oh, good. Um, That's great. Yeah. I was scared. What, about, what is it on? Uh, a strip. Um, it's on. A little while ago, I put out a video advertising for people to get through and kill five hunters as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but mm-hmm. um, basically this is a video showing those submissions. So, oh, cool. Oh, have, it's have it's you, pretty uh, exciting. It's like a little race. It's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Have you, have you, and, and is that all complete? Have you decided on a winner, found like the, the fastest person mm-hmm. and such? Yes, I have. Someone got oh. it in 11 minutes and 50 seconds, which Holy is... Shit. Pretty, pretty insane. So um, I suppose I can lend some of that information to the podcast because we're going to be talking about Central Yarnum and I have all the tips and tricks that I can steal from those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Crowdsourced the, um, insight. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I saw that video and, and it was one of those things where I was like, this is very cool, but I am incapable. Like, I don't, I don't feel competitive on this level. <laughs> I think a lot um, of people thought that and 
As soon as I put it out, I was surprised there weren't that many submissions coming through. I think a lot of people were intimidated because they're like, nah, someone else will do amazingly. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's kind of true <laughs> in <laughs> retrospect since someone did it in 11 minutes. But Wow. Yeah. yeah. You had a chance. Yeah. How deep in the game do you have to go to find five hunters? <clears throat> um, so you get Eileen, and then you get Gascoigne, and then Alfred, and then there's the Saw Spear Hunter in Old Yarnum, then there's Jura on the top of the tower. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh. 11 minutes. 11 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty good. I, I eagerly await. I'm going to watch that probably right when we're done because I've been <laughs> ping-ponging on going back to sleep or not. Um, but I also have drank a, a bunch of coffee. So mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, I will be hyped for <laughs> that instead. This is quite a hefty notes page. I just scrolled down and realized how big it is. Oh, <laughs> wow. The, the, uh, yeah, it, the, we're only the first like three big blocks yeah. are, are, are this oh, episode. Yep. We, we <laughs> use the same page for all I was all getting a little notes. bit intimidated there for a second. <laughs> we're here. We're, oh, yeah. my God. We, we I haven't seen this stuff in game. Yeah, yeah, you have to clear 27 hours. <laughs> yep. For, uh, if, we're if, recording an audiobook. We didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Like 6 a.m. I was like, when does this end? <laughs> um, the night never ends. Cool. Uh-huh. Save the references for the podcast. <laughs> if you cl- if you click on uh, the title text BSC Central Yarnum Part One, it'll take you to just the post that has this uh, this week's notes on it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Unless right. you feel like talking about Amnesia with us, which is the game we did for our other show. <laughs> yep. Um, I can't get further than ten minutes in that game. So yeah. no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, the you- night never ends. Cool. Uh-huh. Save the references for the podcast. <laughs> if you cl- if you click on uh, the title text BSC Central Yarnum Part One, it'll take you to just the post that has this uh, this week's notes on it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Unless right. you feel like talking about Amnesia with us, which is the game we did for our other show. <laughs> yep. I can't um, get further than ten minutes in that game. So yeah. no thanks. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a blast. Um, I almost, at some points, I almost felt like I was just listening to a podcast. And then I realized, wait, I've got to actually talk. I'm actually a part of this, you know, (laughs) because I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's so easy to sort of tune out like that. But um, no, I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. And hopefully we didn't uh, didn't monopolize the conversation too much or or talk over you too much or anything like that. Oh, no, I'm perfectly Um, happy for you guys to do that. You guys are probably very old hat at this at this point. Yeah. Um, I was so happy when I I Googled like Dark Souls podcasts so long ago now. Mm -hmm. And like this community just has so many powerful elements to it. And the fact that there's this like high quality podcast out there as well just really evens it out, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was just so happy to see that that exists. Like we got the PvP side of things. We've got a PvE community. We've got this YouTube community. We've got this Twitch community. We've got a podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just so awesome that it's so fleshed out like that. Yeah, it, it's been it's been really pleasant and kind of revelatory uh, yeah. for me as well. Especially, you know, going down to San Francisco, you know, either meeting people online or going down to San Francisco and meeting, uh, you know, yourself and Dave, um, you know, and some of the Twitch people in real life. Um, you know, it, it it has been uh, very heartening to kind of have everybody brought together with this this thing. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. I wonder when we'll have our own convention. <laughs> Maybe a couple not, of years down. Souls yeah, not, not happen. not soon enough. Like yeah. we we've talked about it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, um, really? wanting that or just yeah, just wish list it. Not talked yeah. about it. Like <laughs> yeah, let's let's rent out the the Hyatt. Like we we've <laughs> talked about it. Like we want that as well. Yeah, 